Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. Live well, lead well. It's sort of a theme for this show. How you live affects how you lead. And today's guest shares how you can make the best health choices so you can lead more effectively, especially if you're over 30. Welcome to the Life as Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Friedemann, and our guest today is the owner and head coach at The Meta Project, an online health and fitness company focused on upgrading your gut health to get more out of your body so you can show up at your best. With over 180 active clients, The Meta Project has built a world-class level coaching team, including clinical nutritionists, mindset coaches, and exercise professionals to elevate your entire approach to mental and physical health. Here is Ollie Wood. Ollie, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here, Josh. Cheers. So I like to start off every single interview with a few questions that help us to get to know you better as a leader and give us some insight for our own lives. Are you ready for these? Yeah. What is some lesson, saying, or experience that continues to influence your leadership to this day? Uh, one comment comes to mind, which is, it is very, really binary. This, see the problem as a continuum. So just getting an idea of how we can improve it. Use three descriptors to finish this sentence. A leader is? Um, transparent, visionary, and communicator. What is a question that leaders should be asking either themselves or others? Now, they should always be asking, how can I do this better? What's a book that you would recommend to leaders? Who, not how. If you could get every listener to start doing something this week to help them be a better leader, what would that thing be? Now the first hour of the day. If you are able to add in some movement, uh, now the breakfast, some sort of breath work, you'll always show up better. And finally, we have our arbitrary but insightful question, which is this. As a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? I think it depends on the level. So I would say if you're starting out, ask why not, uh, because you need to create those opportunities. Uh, if you're already humming along, things are going well, then you might need to ask why, because you need to get better at saying no. We'll be back with the rest of our interview right after this. As the leader of your organization, you have a lot on your plate. You work most of your day, leaving you little time to think about your own development. There's a resource for you, and it's called the Leadership Action List. Get the best leadership development tips for leaders by leaders at leadershipactionlist.com. The best news, it's free. Once again, for a year's worth of weekly leadership development, download the Leadership Action List at leadershipactionlist.com. Well, Ollie, we are here today to talk about your work as a health nutrition coach, someone who's able to help professionals, leaders, executives lead a more effective life. So I'd love to hear from you just to start off a little bit about the Meta Project, why that name and what are you looking to do? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, we work with business owners and, and professionals taking that uh, space to really fit them back in their day and build their body back up. A lot of the people we work with are typically over 40 and we're in a position that uh, the body's just not responding like it used to, right? So we're getting into the depths of how do we build that body back up? And META stands for a higher level of self-awareness. So it's really just looking into the components of those to elevate how you feel, how you look, how you function, how you perform. Uh, and looking at that, as you uh, said in the intro, uh, we look at gut health as being one of those core components because it's not what you eat, it's what you absorb. And if you can take that time to build up uh, how you're eating and how you're feeling on that food, it becomes much less of a... 
uh, conversation of eating less or training more, but really how can we make sure your body's functioning the right way to make sure that we're both looking and feeling the best. And I've got to ask you, just from a, a business perspective, how the last couple of years been for you? You're an online health coaching program. Has this just accelerated throughout the pandemic or what, what has your experience been on the business side of things? Yeah, it's definitely been um, helpful in regards to our ability to train online and be comfortable in that position with a lot more clients, right? Um, especially when we're, we're more comfortable with Zoom, we're more comfortable with not having to go see someone. I think a lot of people are starting to prefer that because they're not having to walk into town and go to a clinic. They're now having everything all in one place. And especially if we've got the nutrition, we've got the mindset, we've got the training, you've got all of that in one place and we've got your ability to book it in from your own home or from your work, whatever it might be. So it's allowed it to just uh, become a lot more uh, comfortable in regards to how that works. And then once they're in our world, they see how much quicker, how much more efficient it works. So when it comes to the the combination that you offer, the nu- nutrition side, the mindset side, the exercise side, is, do you incorporate all of those into every program or do you focus on certain ones depending on what a client needs? Yeah, absolutely. So we, we use what we call an R4 method, which takes us through four phases of our program, right? So it's really understanding that they're all so interlinked and you trying to nail your sleep without looking at nutrition or you trying to nail your, your exercise without recovery. Uh, all of those components need to be taken into account. So for us, one of the big shifts we're trying to look at is uh, a lot of our people are not looking for an, a quick fix or something that um, you know, a diet for four weeks that actually sabotages their long-term results. The big goal here is how do we front load your health, get your body actually working on your side so that this works 10, 20 years from now, right? So taking that time to build that back up is a huge part of our conversation and uh, realizing that there's more components that come into that with uh, stress, toxicity, inflammation, sleep quality, uh, and obviously the nutrition and the training aspect are all going to be components that we take in. So without making that a huge complex topic, we make sure that we've built that sequence in a way that we know what's next uh, and what uh, sort of sequence we're going to walk them through. Now, that's deeply personalized within that framework, but we're making sure that there's a components, uh, those, uh, there are components in a certain uh, sequence to make sure that we know what should be coming. And because we've worked with so many clients going through that process, the best part of it of it is we know what's coming up even before they do, right? So it's able to really build out that process to know what support, what changes, what sequence need to be there for them to really win. Now, you just mentioned something about getting people to be thinking about 10 to 20 years down the road or getting them prepared for 10 to 20 years down the road. That can be something that when you are busy with the day-to-day stress, focuses, other things like that, it's really hard to think that far out and to realize uh, the consequences that you will experience then for how you're living now. Any cautionary tales or just words of insight for people who are running themselves hard right now and not prioritizing their health like they know they should or like they suspect they should? Yeah, really good question. And I think it comes back to, I, I think this is where the the balance or the commonalities between both business and health become very, very prominent. Because if you try make, um, you know, 10 grand today, right, it's going to be a very different approach to if you were trying to make 100 grand this year, right, we can be a lot more sequenced with how we're trying to do it. If we're trying to drop 10 kilos today, right, at the expense of our long term health, which it usually is, uh, as opposed to 10 kilos o- over the course of a couple of m- months will be a huge change. So taking that time to look at the approach in a slightly different way allows us to 
uh, sequence things out a little further. Um, so just looking at the process there, it could even be as simple as, am I looking to eat food that makes me feel nice in, in two seconds from now, right, being the donut? Or am I trying to eat food that allows me to function and perform one hour from now, right? It doesn't have to be 20 years from now. It just has to be, you know, if we look past that initial consumption, that initial dopamine response, what allows us to show up sharper? And I think a lot of people are disconnected with how they eat and how they feel and being able to actually find the, the middle ground to this is what I feel best on. This is what is fueling me. So I'm not just selecting food off my taste buds, but I'm selecting food off my brain capacity. And I think sometimes we we realize that certain things will help us, or at least in theory, we we know that you know eating a carrot is going to be better than a donut, for instance. But one thing you mentioned before this interview started, as we we're in the scheduling process, is that health correlates directly to success in career and business. So if you could if you could more explicitly make that connection for us, I think that could be helpful as well because anytime you know something will help you in the moment, you're also a whole lot more likely when you see that connection to want to take your health seriously. Yeah, and, and it really just comes down to, uh, you know, do you want to show up as a B player or do you want to show up as the A player? Because the B player still ticks things off. They get them done, they, they slog along <laughs> and they take, take the time to uh, finish the day. The ones that are the A players, the ones that go beyond, that show up with level mental sharpness and clarity that allow them to go so far beyond maybe what's expected or just the the, be- the you know the minimum that needs to be required. So if you look at how you're fueling that day, think about if you come into the office uh, sluggish and tired, a bit brain foggy, uh, you're a bit achy, you're taking a little bit to get off that chair. All of those aspects of your, your body not functioning as high as it should uh, should be uh, one of your biggest considerations in how you perform, how you show up on a day-to-day basis. Uh, the amount of people I talk to that give the best food to their dog or their horses or fuel their car with the 98, right? And they don't take the time to look at that same thing for their body. So I think it's really just being, being able to put that uh, self-respect back on you, that level of self-love, and realize that if you want to keep performing the way you do, and I've worked some really, really hard workers, uh, that does catch up with you eventually. And you can do it in your 20s, that's great, but you're working with an entirely new biology and taking that time to be a bit smarter on how that looks. And especially if you're trying to be a high performer beyond that 35, 40 mark, you need to approach things a little differently or things will start slowing down. If it hasn't already, uh, which it likely has, it's taking that time to uh, reshift your thought process because you know what used to work is certainly not going to work now. So in just a second, I want to hear a little bit more about some of those key things we can all be doing to help our our health to get some better uh, physical shape, maybe even mental shape. But before we do that, maybe even connected to it, I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about gut health because it's something, and, and maybe the average listener is further ahead than me, but I keep on hearing the importance of gut health. I see headlines about it. Could you talk to us a little bit about the importance of gut health and maybe some things we can be doing to take that a little bit more seriously in our lives as well? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The big thing with gut health is really simplifying that concept because I think we can get into the weeds with different bacteria and how they, uh, I put a post up with our private clients uh, yesterday around certain types of bacteria and how they link directly to things like our dopamine and our serotonin response and understanding the uh, very connected uh, uh, nerve between both our brain and our gut, right? The vagus nerve that's going to make a complete, uh, it's going to make quite a difference between both our gut and our brain and that function there. But I think if we look at gut health as a whole and realize how simply interconnected it is with our entire body, how we feel, how we function, uh, that needs to be our first focus. Once we have that, we get an idea of it's completely dependent on how we eat. And before we think of adding in 
uh, patch fixes like our kombuchas or our probiotics, we need to look at what the root cause is. And that's one of the big things that we look at with everything, right? Quality over quantity. And trying to make sure we get an awareness of what actual true gut health looks like and then what components that really entails, right? And we know that if we improve our gut health, that's going to be our mental clarity. That's going to be able to drop the body fat, easier recovery, easier ability to build muscle. Uh, our mood will be a lot more stable. We'll notice that, uh, you know, the anxiety or the depression or anything that comes through massively changes when we get our bacteria in our gut balanced out a bit more and we start to simply look out after it. So the simple question there is what foods are causing you to feel bloated, tired, gassy, puffy in the face, uh, not sleeping the same way, it's affecting your breathing. And really just getting a, an awareness of that first and foremost is such a simple step. And that's why MetaProject as a, as a concept is a higher level of self-awareness is what do you feel best on, right? And how do we identify what those foods are? Before we start spending a couple hundred bucks on a food intolerance test or if you dive deeper into organic acids or stool samples, all the sexy stuff, we want to make sure we look at the awareness of uh, how we actually feel on a day-to-day basis. If we eat that donut and it makes us feel sleepy, what is it, right? If we're starting to look into uh, initial base, I think most people are aware of you know, alcohol and our, and our sugar intake, but what are we like on gluten, dairy? How do we look when we dive deeper into corn and soy and maybe even peanuts, right? We're not trying to remove all of these foods, but we need to find the most inflammatory ones that may be the biggest issue. And I think one of the big movements at the moment that is really ruining a lot of guts is this... Uh, this awareness that apparently meat-free is healthy, right? And it's completely destroying men's testosterone, not to mention their mental clarity, the recovery, everything else there, right? And if you start to look at corn, corn and soy crops, they absolutely decimate the land around them when they die, right? What, what do you think that's doing to the insides of you? <laughs> so taking that time to really get an awareness of what you feel best on rather than just another Netflix doc- documentary is a pretty good place to start. And taking that time to build out your structured approach to how you fuel the body is a much uh, smarter move, I think, in regards to how you perform and how you uh, feel long-term. I'd love for you to share maybe some other things people tend to get wrong when it comes to dieting or or taking their health seriously. Sometimes, I, I guess it would be just nice to know, are there things, at least in your opinion, that people are doing that they think are helping but may not actually be moving them closer to where they want to go? Yep. Uh, one that we see every single day is people have made a decision to drop body fat, so they train harder and they eat less, right? They haven't taken into account how how poorly their body's functioning currently, right? So we're running on fumes, we remove what food we had there, and now we're really running on fumes, right? There's very little that we have there. We might run on adrenaline for two to four weeks, but now we're in a position that things start to get injured, things start to get really challenging, and then we fall off the wagon two to four, four weeks later, right? So taking that time to take a bit more of a a smart, sustainable, proactive approach to our health and making sure this is something that, yeah, I actually feel really good off it. I actually get a benefit on a day-to-day basis from it. So it's building me up, not breaking me down, right? There's a difference between the person that comes into the office in the morning and he's full of life, he's full of energy, he's sharp onto it because he's managed to go for that morning run or gym session and he's really just getting the most out of his day versus the person that's got absolutely pummeled by his personal trainer and it hasn't been something that he's actually recovered from and he's dragging his butt through the day worrying about how sore his legs are, right? That's completely two, two different ends of the spectrum of how you can feel off exercise. Uh, there was a really, really interesting study that I just heard yesterday about two rats that were on a um, on a treadmill. One was voluntarily exercising, and then the other one had to exercise when the other one started, right? So one was voluntarily getting all these benefits from exercise, and then the other one was just getting a, a massive amount of stress because it wasn't voluntary exercise, right? So it has to be something you want to do, not something you have to do. And once we make that shift, I think that in itself can make a huge difference because we have a high level of self-awareness to get more out of our training. 
And I'm assuming that's at least somewhat connected to mindset. You've already talked about how all of these things are interconnected. We talked about the nutrition side of things. When it comes to to mindset, how do you at least think about it at the Meta Project? Mindset is, uh, I think, the big part of physical health is mental health. And it's taking that time to realize that in order for you to achieve uh, any sort of physical health goals, you need to be aware of mental health being a massive component of it. Uh, I think when you look at mental health, and if there's something you're really holding on to, if there's some anxiety, there's some depression, there's some um, past um, trauma, whatever it might be, it will show physically, right? And the amount of times we've seen muscle tightness, high levels of inflammation caused because there's such, so much of a buildup of not allowing that breath to expand, to really slow down. Uh, I think the biggest thing to look at on a day-to-day basis is realizing that most of the people around you are hyperventilating, right? And it's, it's through their chest, it's very shallow, they're probably breathing through their mouth, rather than taking that time to have that deep diaphragmatic breathing through their nose and really getting a cadence of ideally under sort of 14, 15 breaths per minute is a nice one to start with. Most people are in the 18 to 20 range, right? We're mildly hyperventilating all day. So there's this massive strength, stress response going on all the time, which is directly related to our mental health, right? So we're not going to separate the two. How we show up physically is, is, is a correlation to, to our mental health. So I think a really, really simple way to start, and we had this conversation on Monday with our mindset call we do with our clients every week, um, is what's your goal right now? What's your vision that you're looking towards, right? And you'll get 80% of the people, I guarantee it, saying, I don't want this. I don't want to have this anymore. Um, not to be overweight. Uh, da, 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 da. Like all of these sort of uh, negative things they don't want to be anymore, right? So now that's a push, not a pull, right? It's something they don't want to be rather than something they want to be. So a big problem we have is if people are 45, 50, they want to get back to their 20-year-old self, right? There's not a chance. They're not going to be their 20-year-old self ever again. But what does that 50, 55-year-old champ look like at the end of the day? And how do we build that vision? So now it becomes walking, you know, running towards the carrot rather than running away from the stick. And taking that time to build the pull, not push, I think is a really, really good place to start. And I would love for you to share right now some of those maybe um, big picture things that you think people should be doing. I'm guessing you probably probably name a number of things people already know, but what are the, the, the few things that across the board people need to be thinking about as far as practices or things they can incorporate into their lives? And after that, I want to kind of delve into some of the different stages of someone's life. You mentioned the 20-year-old, the 50-year-old. What are some of those stages and how can we optimize at each of those stages? So maybe first start off with those kind of across the board things people need to be taking seriously right now. Yep. Uh, A couple of top of my head, if we're looking at key anchors that need to be in the day, I think there needs to be some level of movement in the morning, right? It doesn't have to be a full gym workout, but there has to be some level of movement. If it's a little bit mobility workout, a little bit of yoga, it's going for a walk like we did this morning up the hill. Uh, it's just getting something in for that mental sharpness first thing in the day, all right? If you're walking to work, fantastic. We've got that bit covered. But the big problem here is that we're looking at uh, and that we work with so many guys in this position, uh, there's always going to be stuff that changes in the middle of the day, all right? And having that flexibility to uh, flow with it sometimes is actually more beneficial because we're not getting such a stress response from trying to hang on to our 12 p.m. lunchtime. But I think the morning needs to be a really, really big focus for most people, which is how do we anchor in at very minimum the first 20 minutes of the day? Once we nail that in, it's very hard to stuff up the rest, right? If we get get up in the morning, we're onto the news, we're scrolling Facebook, we're running after the kids, we're worrying about everyone else before we've taken us into account, it's very, very hard to build from there. So just nailing that first 20, minute day, 20 minutes of the day needs to be really important. Now, to make that happen, you need to look at the other end of the spectrum as well, right? It's being proactively productive, which is how do we show up and 
actually anchor in some time for us because so many of us, um, the stats, especially on America, is like 80% watch six hours of TV a day, right? So how can we look at past dinner? What does that last couple of hours look like before bed, right? If we can at least give us one hour, just one hour before we go to bed of no, no screen time, right? Getting away from that blue light exposure from the TVs, from the computers, from the phones, and just do something for ourselves, do something to wind down. Maybe it's getting some meals ready for the next day. Maybe it's a bit of a stretch routine. Maybe it's reading a book, right? How many people are not reading now? Uh, and the amount of people that haven't read a book since since high school. Taking that time to make those changes to uh, both feeding our mind, but also just taking that time to unwind. If people struggle to get to sleep, you know, a cold room, a dark room, uh, getting rid of all those lights, and getting rid of that that uh, light exposure that is telling our brain to stay awake, it's it's blocking our ability to secrete any level of melatonin will make a huge difference to your sleep quality. Now, what are those stages of life that people need to be thinking in terms of? And I'm sure there are ranges for this, but in general, what would you what would you say are the stages of people's life as far as health goes? And what are some particular things people need to be thinking about in those stages? Below 30, uh, you get away with it. Over 30, you got to think about it. If you do it under 20 you or under 30, uh, you will accelerate that process and you'll run into issues much earlier than you should have. So you'll feel 35 when you're 25. Uh, so it's up to you on whether you want to make those changes. But I think they're less detrimental right now. And I think it's much harder to communicate that to them. When we get into that space of 35, 40, now we're starting to feel it, right? We're starting to see that body slow down. We're starting to notice things aren't working like they used to. And whether that be sexual health, whether that be mental health, whether that be uh, just fogginess, just not feeling good, constantly bloated, right? What's coming through where that inflammation has just got to such a level that it's really getting in the way of day to day. And I think one of those things is we just need to get to the point where we really notice the consequences before we change. And I think that's that's human nature at some level. And um, so once we're in that position, I think one thing that needs to be a really big component is, and we see this all the time with say physios or injuries, right? If we give it a week or two uh, to recover and that works, fantastic. But if we give it more than two weeks and it's still not recovered, it doesn't need recovery. It needs some level of strengthening. So if we build that back up or some level of stimulus or some level of uh, rebuilding, right, there needs to be a proactive approach. So if that body uh, you know, is tired all the time and a week of rest doesn't solve it, well, clearly we need to improve that resilience at some level. So a big part for anyone over 40 is there has to be at least one one to two sessions of resistance training a week. That doesn't have to be at the gym. That can be at home. But taking that time to add in some sort of contraction work is a really, really long way. Not only is it going to improve your joint health, it's going to improve your ability to drop body fat, maintain at very minimum your muscle mass because that's going to make a huge difference to your proprioception, your balance, uh, and really just your longevity in every fashion, right? Your grip strength, your walking speed, and your muscle mass are the biggest components of longevity or the best indicators of it so far, okay? So looking into that awareness, I think a really big component is you don't have to be at the gym every day, but you do need to make sure that you add in one to two resistance training sessions. If you're currently uh, doing some endurance sports or some longer running and stuff, you'll notice this uh, so much more. So taking that time to add in that is a really, really good place to start. The second one is going to be your protein intake. The amount of people we look at that are just eating less than 50 grams of protein a day, they're barely meeting even government regulations that are dismal at best. We're taking that time to really build that up. At least 100, maybe even 150 grams a day will make a huge difference to so many functions in the body, to rebuild that muscle tissue, make sure that there's actually some sort of cellular repair and you're not just breaking down and breaking down. So that process, again, is the 
is again looking at building the body up rather than breaking it down. We're not training to burn things off. We're training to show up better. And if we can get that body functioning well, then we drop body fat as a second thought. But we see on a day-to-day basis our mental clarity, our sharpness, our energy, our mood, all of those things that we actually care about today, they can be immediately better. And then body fat just becomes a byproduct. Well, Ali, I appreciate you sharing on the podcast today. Before you go, what is some takeaway that you want to make sure that the listeners leave with, whether something that we haven't talked about yet or something you just want to reiterate from our conversation? Uh, I think it's really, really simple. If you're, what you want to add in for your health or for your fitness, uh, can you make this last? And is this something you feel like you're happy to do for the next 20 years? Because if the answer is no, you need to change your response. Everything we do with our clients is something that they see being able to be instilled in their life forever because they show up and they feel better. It's building them up rather than breaking them down. And if we look at that space, I think we start to remove 95, 99% of the information out there. And I think the problem is, is fitness advice is very, really health advice. And when we start to look at balancing those two and making sure we can find a a happy medium, we can start to really move forward. We can actually enjoy it and we can continue doing it because the amount of diets, failures, off the wagons uh, is completely ruining people's health and mental health uh, to really move forward. So how can I make sure that this can stick? This is something that's going to be something I'm happy to do for years, decades to come, because if it's not, we need to look at that differently to build you back up. And Ali, if people have enjoyed what they've heard from you today, where would you like for people to go to find out more about you and the work that you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. There's a ton that we could go through, but I think uh, from all of the components we've talked about, fantastic questions. I think uh, the the five-day challenge we have on our main website is a really, really good place to start simply because there's so many components that we talked about today, Josh, to get an awareness of what where do I put them? How do I fit them into my life? So uh, the five-day challenge is a really way to, really good way to break that down. Uh, first day is really a case of how do we anchor us back in the day, right? We've talked about the morning routine, uh, routine and the big thing there is, yeah, great, Ollie, but how do I fit myself into a day? I'm flat out already. So day one is going to show you through that and just being able to input us back into a day. Uh, we dive deep into identifying those health anchors, right? So today we talked about gluten or dairy, maybe those sugars coming through, but individually for you, this is something we do with our clients, but we've given you that framework to dive in and find those health anchors. We dive deep into rejigging your sleep and looking at how to be more proactive to be more productive. That's a big component of what we do, uh, as well as looking into building us up, you know, that whole training component of trying to make sure it's not just more exercise, but how how is our training actually allowing us to show up on a day-to-day basis? And then day five wraps, wraps, wraps it all together to make sure we're building a bigger goalpost so it's a pull, not a push. So all of the components we talked about today is a big part of that five-day challenge. Uh, it's completely free. If you want to go to our website, it's just themetaproject.co. Uh, .co would be the best way to find it. Uh, and that would just walk you through that entire process. So I hope that's hugely valuable. Uh, otherwise, Instagram is probably a really good place in regards to social media, just Hollywood NZ, uh, and you'll find me there. All right, Ali, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, Josh. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you want to follow up, remember, as always, links are in the show notes below. Until next time, keep living and leading well. Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. 
Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist, it feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon. And until then, keep living and leading well.